Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to this episode of the weekly podcast with Flats and Shanks. Coming at you on Monday, the 27th of April. Now, we're recording this in the morning um, for a change because we've got a special guest coming on. David, tell us who it is. It is, we've got Barack Obama. Barack Obama's coming on. Um, we've got Andrew Mertens coming on. Sorry, what accent was that then? <clears throat> Have you not seen The Guard? They talk about Barack Obama. Barack yeah. Obama. Yeah, I just I could couldn't tell what accent that was. Barack Obama, yes, it's quite. I think you'll find it's quite accurate. Um, Are you Irish? Andrew, yes. Okay. Andrew Mertens is coming on. Um, thing is, I don't know. Are All Blacks different? Do you call them former All Blacks? Like you're a former Welsh international. I'm a former England international. Do you call them former, or is it once an All Black, always an All Black? Is it like Olympic champion Linford Christie? He wasn't Olympic champion, was he? Was he? Can't remember. Yes. Olympic champion Jess Ennis. It's like. You, once the next Olympics has been, you're gone, aren't you? I don't know. Some people don't mind being called former. Other people want to be called in the present. Um, what What's would you like preference? to be called? Um, international David Flatman. Mm. I quite like former. I don't mind it yeah. at all. Sort of, you've done that. You know, move on to your next challenge in life, which is getting through this bugger. Of a time for everyone. Um, yeah, Andrew Mertens, he's actually born in Durban. Do you know that? Didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he was born in Durban, living in Sydney, but is a is a Kiwi. So he's travelled, boy. He's travelled. He's um, he he's a hell of a boy as well. Um, I don't know how much we'll get into um, his sort of social habits yeah i mean you talk about your dad not wanting, out. yeah you're talking about your dad not wanting to get me on his couch or vice versa now you get yeah. someone like mertens on his couch oh. he's not moving for a couple of years no once he's on the couch there's a good chance he'll never be off the couch except for meal times and wee wees 
I um, really want to sort of try and delve into obviously Andrew Merton's being a Kiwi, uh, being an All Black. The games are shown on TV. Why on earth would he have his hair like a hillbilly? I think he is a hillbilly. He, it's he blatantly cut it himself. Um, there's, it's the same length all over. Um, he, he does it with a knife and fork in the bath. He told me he's put a bowl on his head and some of the haircuts that you know he's he's had over the years have been absolutely appalling. I think it was only till he got a girlfriend at like. 29, 30 years old, where he started to get a little bit of short back and sides. Mm. You know, otherwise it was just same length all over. Yeah, he's the Matt Perry of New Zealand, isn't he? Mm. Mm. Um, puts, you know, function before form, and I respect that. Um, it's like a mushroom, wasn't he? Yeah, actually, Pezza was better. Pezza's a much better looking bloke. But yeah, Mertz will be good. Mertz will be good fun. And he's also um, one of. I don't know what his IQ is. How would I know that? One of the brightest men I've met in well, rugby. Well, Incredibly intelligent man. Certainly sharp on a Q&A, isn't he? Ooh. Oh, yeah. And wild. It's good. I'm looking forward to that. A um, couple of teams he played for. Um, just saves us doing a proper intro later for him and getting a big head, doesn't it? Canterbury. Oh, well Canterbury. Um, the Crusaders. Bezier. Yeah. Uh, Rassin, 92. Toulon. Right. And Harlequins. So, journeyman. Uh, Journey. I'm looking forward to yeah. I'm looking forward to talking to him about his Harlequins times because I imagine West London suiting Mertz pretty well. Um, yeah. Did you ever play against him? Uh, I don't think so. I think I played in that transition period, sort of between Andrew Mertens and Dan Carter, where Carlossi Spencer, yeah, was at the helm. Ask me if I ever played against him. Flats. Did you ever play yeah. against Andrew Mertens? No, I was injured that week. I was yeah. injured that week. Um, Rested. That, the, well, I'm, I'm a bit gutted, actually, speaking of Carlos Spencer, because I saw him do that trick shot into the basketball net on Must social media. Must be fake. Like Quade Cooper did that one. Must and I realise now there's an app, because everyone's doing it. Jim Hamilton's done it. Genji's done it. And I realise now there's obviously an app, isn't there? Do you know what gave it away? It was Jim Hamilton. It was like years ago in 2005, there was an Audi deal going on and all the guys could get a really cheap Audi. they could sell it back um Mate. make actually make a little bit of money on it until gavin henson wrote an article um yep. or was interviewed by the interviewed. times or the telegraph and told everyone about the deal and then there were certain really high class celebrities that weren't getting the same deal as a lot of us and they can a deal exactly the same with this as soon as jim hamilton threw a ball over his head probably 10 meters and it landed in the bucket i knew and it confirmed that it is fake. Never saw him throw a pass in whatever fifteen years of rugby. So it that Gavin Henson thing, there were I wanna say thirty three, but I don't want to get it. It's either twenty three or thirty three. Let's say twenty three. Twenty three new uh, new cars in our car park on that deal. And it was all it was all above board. It was done without a UK. Like it was all above board, obviously. But we all had these cars because it was you had to buy them, but it, you got your money back. It was effectively a free car. And it was amazing. And then when he did this interview, this letter just came round into all of our pigeonholes. This will be your last vehicle. Can you please hand it back? And it we, we literally got our cars taken away weeks later. Here's your money back. All of you give us your cars. And loads of us didn't have cars. Like I remember I borrowed, my dad had an old Golf that he used for work that had 265,000 miles on it. And I was like, mate, I don't have a car. Could I borrow your car? And I had, it, I had that for ages. And it was like, 
It's a good car. I gave it to my sister and it blew up. But he, he, we were like, then we played Ospreys a little while later and he was playing for Ospreys. And we were like, right, if he's playing, I mean, Gav might hear this and think we're pathetic, but we probably were. If he's, if he's playing, the boys were just like going for him. Boys were absolutely hunting him. I remember one of the lads who I won't name said, I'm getting a red card at the weekend. I don't care. And they said to the coaches, don't start me because when I get on, I'm coming straight off again. Did he, did he get it. a red card? He's cost me his card. Uh, Gavin didn't play. Oh. The boys were properly going for it. And the coaches were like, lads, can you stop? Can you stop this? We can't have this. And the boys are like, it's all right for you, mate. You get paid a load of money to the coaches. Well, I haven't got any money for a car. So I borrowed that money. I've had my first ever new car. I've had it taken away. The boys were livid and he didn't play. Oh, wow. Well, um, we weren't that upset, but it was. Uh, it sounds like you boys at Bath were absolutely fuming. Underpaid. We Boiling were. over. Problem. Underpaid. Boiling over. Yeah. So um, I've forgotten where we were now after that. Uh, look, tell me... Um, Tell me how things are going for you at the moment because, you know, it, you've got to keep asking people if they're all right, keep asking people how things are going. And I think I, the one positive for you, I feel like, is that you're going to come out of lockdown in better nick than you went in, which is unusual. I think so. I think so. I, I just can't bring myself to drinking heavily at home. Mm. Well, not even heavily, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not really drinking too much wine. Um, I did make some pina coladas yesterday, which are actually oh, quite really? nice. Yeah, um, 120 mil of pineapple juice, 60 mil of white rum, 60 mil of coconut cream in the blender, handful of ice. <laughs> Done. Happy, happy Tommy. Um, I tell you what, my saving grace has been the concept too, by mm. far, by far, and that has literally been sat in my loft for about three or four years doing nothing. This but is I not knew a plug, is it? No, I knew a time would come where I'd grow to love it again. I don't love it, but it's helped me. It's helped me. I talk to it. We have good yeah. conversations. Um and it it gets me through tough times. So um I might leave my wife for it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know there's there's men that fall in love with cars. That's me. Speaking of one. <clears throat> Who would you marry? Well, if, you, if you could marry a car, female, obviously, what car would you marry? I, oh God, Tommy, don't. Okay. I would probably have a Land Rover Defender 90 with a high-tech, modern, electric canvas roof at the back. Um, and uh, I'd probably have a petrol V8 engine with a retrofitted modified um automatic gearbox people don't like that but i like it um and a bit of extra sound deadening and that'd probably be me wouldn't you be a little bit worried that other men might see that and think oh she's nice yeah you know i'm in better shape than her husband yeah, yeah. i got better chat than her husband yeah i'm more sensitive i'm more caring and mm. and steal her off you or, yeah, there is that. Or, no, you, or you're just going to back yourself. That, that's a worry for most men. Um, I mean, what if you drive me. her past Cipriani, Tom Evans? No, 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 no. No, I'm going anywhere near them. No, okay. I'm going anywhere near them. Um, Are you control where she goes, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Control where yeah, she goes, yeah, who, yeah, who she speaks yeah. to, um, who... I'm not, not going to do, do the obvious gag, yeah. <laughs> I was going to steer away, steer away from that, if you don't mind. 
Um, I'm thing is, I um, everyone has a vice. I find myself looking. I'm on car websites at least twice a day during lockdown. At least, like if I get a bit of me time, blokes look at different sorts of websites. I know that. I am literally like auto trader, piston heads, uh, collecting cars, auctions, which I'm never going to buy one. Um, I am all over it. I'm watching about eight different cars on collecting cars at the moment, which I'm almost, well, I'm definitely not going to buy. I'm watching number plates, cars, motorbikes, everything. I get alerts. This car sold for £68,000. I was never going to buy it. If it was £6,800, I wouldn't have bought it. Mm. But I still like to know. I still like to know what's happening. You like teasing yourself, don't you? I just, I just, I enjoy knowing, I don't know a lot, but I know, enjoy knowing a bit about the market. And I also think to myself, well, if that day comes and I win the Euros, then I'm not going to panic by this Lamborghini and that Ferrari. I will know what to do. I will know where to go. Oh, you've thought about it, have you? Of course I have, fella. Ah, What else are you going to buy then? Where are you moving to? Oh, well. How many no, wives are you going to have? Shake Flatman? No, uh, no, I'm just going to have a few cars. Okay. One house and a few cars. The thing is, the problem is the house I need needs storage for a lot of cars. I don't want to store my cars across town. You also couldn't move out of Bath, could cars. you? You couldn't move out of Bath. I'm thinking at the moment, actually, fella. Um, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stay in Bath. Oh, okay. Oh, I won't do it. I look at, I, the thing is, you look at a house in Bath and it's like, mm, there's nowhere to park. Um, not much of a garden. Yeah, okay. And then you go five miles away or 10 minutes away, yeah. 15 max. And it's like, Maybe well, he- Henry VIII could live here. Newport. Yeah, Henry VIII could live here and you could have 40 cars. It's like, it's, just, it's amazing. So you, as soon as you get into the environs of Bath City Centre, you are, you're knackered for space, all that sort of stuff. But you live in Bath and I do rather like it. Have you been baking at all? Yes. What you made? Yes. I've made, I've got, I've made some loaves of bread. Okay. What? Not very adventurous, but I made a personalised one for my friends Jane and Greg yesterday. So I scoured, you know, you, you sort of, what's you call, um, what do you call it? Well, I've forgotten the word when you just put slits across the top, score it. Yeah. Um, so I scored J and G into it. Oh, personalised bread. You're cute. Yeah, blooming cute. And what's, What type of bread was it? Was it wholemeal? Was it white? No, just white loaf. Really nice white loaf. And I delivered it to them. So I hung it on their garden gate and said there's something on your gate for you. Bread at... maker or? No, 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 no. Come on, fella. Um, How long do you need it for? Um, I do, I can't remember, Five, a few minutes and then prove or rest, whatever you call it. Did you do one for yourself as well so you knew what it tastes like or was it? I've done three or four of those now. Oh, okay, cool. And I'm going to move on. I've got my sourdough starter beginning yesterday. It's, it's just started starting in the kitchen so that's bringing in some natural yeast from one's environment um where'd you go for that under like your under that. like your armpit in some of your <laughs> yeah some of your fat folds what just, yes, there? just the, the like the lycras i wore for weights yesterday <laughs> went in there there's plenty of yeast in there fella <laughs> <laughs> oh good uh, oh, that's yeah nice. yeah what about you are you baking no no uh you, you did some cinnamon buns fella. yeah i did some cinnamon buns i'm, I'm gonna do uh Bron driscoll's brownies Oh, I want to do those. Yeah, I might do those. I screenshotted his recipe. Yeah, which have got chickpeas in and Dutch cocoa, whatever that is. But no one knows what that is. Just use normal cocoa powder. Um, so I'm going to do them later. But no, not really been baking. Um, grilling. 
frying. Yeah. Yeah. Boiling. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the key is just planning out your meals so you don't have to go to the shop all the time. I went to Tesco's yesterday. It was fine. Um, wasn't busy at all. Normal people in. Just keep your distance. Still wear a mask. Um, but everything on the shelves. So it's great. Yeah. It is great. And people have seemed to have stopped panicking, which is good news. I read today. Oh, actually, this sounds Jerry, like good news. Go. So my mate Jerry Shanko, who yep. is Jerry Quinn, who is the head chef at Worcester Warriors, used to be at Bath when I was there. Um, uh, should be mates a long time. Um, he said to me, I, I have a, I've heard this about the, the league restarting on this day. I said, God, where'd you hear that? He's like, what, the newspaper? Oh, right. So I looked at the newspaper, and there is word now that the Premiership uh, might re- might well recommence on June the 7th. Um, oh. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it's behind closed doors or not. I think it said, I'm not excuse me, misquoting, but it said um, that the Premiership have received encouragement from the government that this will be possible. Um I imagine the government very much want live sport to come back because people love it so much. But anyway, that that's probably not the only reason. Um, but there's there's a chance. But what what it would potentially mean is that the Premiership is condensed hard. You can't just play loads of games in a week, obviously. But the Premiership is condensed. The season is kind of played out. The boys get a very short pre-season, like because they've had a bit of time off now. But they basically get I don't know. I'm guessing three weeks or whatever prior to and June. Then bang, yeah. No, uh, uh, no. So, no. This is like now is like they're when they considered... need they need a preseason now though before June, wouldn't they? Yeah, you guess the clubs would have to step up their conditioning. Yeah. However, they do that. I don't know with the players not in, but maybe lock, lockdown. You'd imagine would be long relaxed by then. Mm. So then the, the the league restarts June seventh. This is just what's speculated, and then they play, I guess, as many games as possible or all of the remaining games. But then they have a couple of weeks off, and the league starts again in September. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, brutal for the players. That is brutal. That's a season and a half in one go, basically. I think. That well, is... it's not. It's not that brutal. They've had a lot of time off now. You know, mentally away from the game, so that's not going to affect them. But because you know as, as well as anyone that you know, pre-season is is more so a mental break as it is a physical break as well. Yeah. Um, and you still keep yourself fit like they're doing now. You're just not taking the knocks of in training and and in games. So this period now where they're off is essentially the same as you know having an off season so it might be a little bit tough but everyone's in the same boat and they got and you know it's not like it's different for one person as it is for another you know it's a level playing field for everyone so hopefully that will work i always felt worse in pre-season than i did in season to be honest like you don't you you sort of work harder, don't you, in pre-season, yeah. I guess. But I always felt exhausted. And during the season, yes, you get, I got knocks and I got, you know, I got more injuries than most, unfortunately. But there was that. But I, I kind of felt like once I got into a groove of not bashing myself with heavy weights on a Monday and whatever it was and, and, you know, not doing any contact past Wednesday, I felt like I was actually, I felt fine during the season generally and I'd string lots of games together. But I don't know that the lads are different now and it, it might be that, you know, I don't know, Ben Urbano can just roll on and do yeah, 35 maybe. games on the bounce, but it might be that Anthony Watson doesn't want to, not doesn't want to do that. Maybe his hammies don't like it or whatever it is. Yeah, no. but it's, it's horses for courses as well, isn't it? You know, you've got yeah. to, you've got to use your full squad. You've got to sort of target games. You've got to actually have a proper action plan of how many games you want players to play or how many legally they're allowed to play if they're involved internationally as well. So yeah, a lot of planning to do, but it's not impossible at all. 
And I think, no, it's um, not. And it, it, it's great that if we can get some sport on on the weekends, it's going to be amazing because I'm sick of watching Ryder Cup reruns now. Yeah, you haven't watched any of the rerun sport at all. I've really? watched a, I've watched a minute sport since this started. No, have you Not watched the minute. Nest? I've been on at you about the Nest. No, I'm going to start that. Okay, um, it's really good. I started Ben Benny Beckhouse, our producer mate, my TV. I started his recommendation last night, Happen Leonard. Yep, um, that's good. Watched a couple of episodes of that. That's good. But I'm going to start the Nest as well this week. I think. Yeah, there's only five episodes, so it's not you know you're not okay. sort of twelve you know, yeah. hours of TV. It's, it's quite short and sharp, but it's good. Really What time do your kids go to bed? Um, well, they go to bed about nine o'clock-ish. Mm. But it's not that much time for TV after that. I always no, think. Like but... Got, well, I like two episodes, but... The youngest goes to bed, he's one, at about half seven, right? When he goes to bed, mm. we allow the kids to watch a bit of their own TV whilst we'll watch something in the lounge. Yeah. And then when they we take them, we'll read them a story slash give me a kiss good night at mm-hmm. nine make sure they brush their teeth and then we'll watch another episode so we managed to bosh in two a night that's all right that's good work that fella yeah and two series as well you see episodes yeah oh that's good you see when yeah you see when um my kids aren't in bed they're generally on my shoulders or where i am wherever I am, break dancing or something, there's no... The only, the only way I can get them to go and chill and do nothing is give them both their little iPhones that aren't actually phones, but they're connected to the internet, phone time, and it's like, I don't particularly want them on the phone for an hour before bed. No, no. So it's just, it's all action until then. I was, when I when I had a little, when they were little, it was like, I cannot imagine not having an evening. Like I just, the baby, babies had to be asleep by seven, so I had an evening. And now it's like, yeah, don't have a massive, don't massively have one oh, of those. Oh no, I was all right. They're um, they do as I told, mate. Otherwise, you know, I I rule by the iron claw. Yeah, and also your kids respect you, which is a massive key difference, isn't it? Well, I did want to say it, but <laughs> you were thanking it. Yeah, I um, was thanking it. I think it's about time we gave our little mushroom head Andrew Mertens a call. What do you think? Yeah, funny looking fella. Let's give him a call. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's fine. You're in... Australia at the moment, that's where you live. Yep. What are the lockdown yes. rules there? Is it quite Not relaxed? Quite as strict as New Zealand. Um, yeah, <laughs> they've tried opening be- they've tried opening beaches up um, and then closed them again because nobody took any notice of the you know stay away from everybody sort of rules. They just all piled in again. Right. But um, yeah, business, a lot of businesses are operating. I mean, a lot have had to close down, but there's food delivery and booze delivery is still going on, which is quite important. Mm, that yeah. is important. Are you? Um, are you glad you're in Sydney as opposed to New Zealand? Is it reasonably relaxed there? Or would you rather be at home? Um, oh, I mean, I'd, I'd rather be in, able to see my kids in Christchurch and give them, <laughs> physically, right. you know, give them a hug. But um, no, Sydney's good. I mean, the weather's quite nice here. We can get out and about. They say if you're going to the beaches, then make sure you're exercising. So if, if I need to take everyone down to a beach, I've just got to stand it on the sand and do star jumps for a while. <laughs> Apart from that, it's not bad. There's this funny, there's this funny picture going around on uh, WhatsApp with us here, and there's basically a, a really a famous like sick uh, English drama soap opera actor, and he looks really unsporty, like he's never done any exercise in his life, and it's like him in a pair of brand new trainers and crappy tracksuit bottoms, pretending to stretch against a fence, and it's like. <laughs> When I'm on the way to the pub and the police roll past, just exercising, Gav. Yeah, that's exactly it. So oh, you just hear police go start running. They've been out with helicopters and drones and stuff and checking in, and there are, you know, people parked up around the rocks by some of the beaches and just lying there, stoners lying there. And they caught one and interviewed him. He goes, I'm, I'm a fisherman and my missus is doing yoga. She's just laying down beside him doing nothing. <laughs> what else are you doing there, Mertz, apart from doing a few star jumps on the beach and cracking into I'm the, actually, the vino. I'm actually working. I'm, um, no. we've, we're kind of lucky. You feel it's a bit of a luxury these days in this environment to be able to work. But um, our business does does um, financing of specialised equipment for businesses. So we deal a lot with councils, hospitals, yep. which obviously is still going gangbusters, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the equipment that instead of them buying outright, we'd, we'd, we'd lease it to them. So there's still a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, we're, in a, we're not profiteering or being opportunistic but um, we're, we're still going and very thankful to be so so you know I'm bringing all my, my financial acumen uh, every day it's keeping you busy then because we're going to ask you if you've been watching like Netflix or you've been yeah, smashing golf balls in the it. garden don't know why I keep doing it to myself but I keep watching that Outlander and uh, much as I much as I despise it you're invested I keep watching it it's just you know it's like eating them, fish and chips isn't it you, you have four fish and two scoops and at the end of it you go why to do that well, it's the same thing with a lot of us binging on series isn't it yeah don't feel guilty mate we've all we've all got a vice and I think yeah we've all probably got worse ones than that um so how do you end up in Australia then because presumably you could uh, promote your wares anywhere so how come you end up living and working there well, I played my last season. Um, wasn't my last season at all. Sorry, I played a season in two thousand and seven at Toulon, and played alongside George Gregan. Um, and he always said, "Look, when you go back to Australasia, why don't you park up in Sydney? Slightly bigger, 
bigger economy than New Zealand, of course, and um, they're more likely to have a bit of fat in the system here. You could probably get a job where you don't do a hell of a lot. So um, <laughs> took his advice. Now t- turned up in Sydney and, and ended up working for Phil Kern, so you know, obviously. Yeah. And um, he's very, very well connected here, so managed to build a few relationships and have been here ever since. Luckily, I can get across to New Zealand and, you know, go back and see mates and, and see old connections there and stuff and uh, and do some work over there. Um, I don't know if you're aware, Mertz, but on the weekend, I think it might have been Saturday morning, they showed what is deemed as the greatest game ever, the Blenslow, um, Australia v New Zealand 2000. Um, unbelievable game that, wasn't it? Are they sort of games that you remember? Well, that certainly was, because I mean, you know, I think after six minutes we'd scored three tries and we're up 21-0, which was fairly unusual. Um, <laughs> A deflected chip was, from, from you, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, charge down. Yeah, brilliant technical charge down that I managed to coerce someone into doing. Uh, might have been Stephen Larkham. But yeah, just one of those things where everything we touched turned to gold and then not long after that it turned back to rubbish again and the Australians, I think, were leading at half time. So, yeah. it, you know, I mean, it was good for the spectators. It was a lot of action. There was a lot of activity, a lot of drama. And then, of course, got right down to the end and the big guy, Jonah, on the wing scored the, the match-winning try. So it was a... You know, good spectacle in that regard. I didn't feel it was probably the best rugby. It was pretty woeful defence. And for me to say something was had woeful defence really means it was <laughs> dire, you know. So, <laughs> to, um, you know, six tries like that in the first half, just, yeah. you know, quick succession. It wasn't wasn't wonderful defence, but, you know, it was a good spectacle. On on the, on the side of rugby, you know, Shanks and I are obviously elite analysts and experts, analysts, elite analysts of the game. Um we're not going to get too nerdy. We're going to ask you questions that we, a couple of questions that we want the answers to, but we think our listeners will likely want the answers to. So, um, you played with, as you as you say, with the late great, the late probably the greatest Jonah Lomu, um, and we all remember him bursting onto the scene. Um, what was he kind of like to train with during the week, and what was it like on, you know, having a weapon like that in your team? Because no one else had one of those, did they? No, he was he was phenomenal. Firstly, I never trained very closely to him for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, you know, he was just a beast in the gym. He was incredibly fast. I think it's it's quite easy to forget how fast he was because he was yeah. just so blockbuster. You know, we all remember the, the Mike Cad incident. And I, I was quite proud of Caddy because, I mean, he, he stood the big man up, back up. Like, he was 120 kg of, of tong and anger about to plough into the dirt at, at Newlands in Cape Town and Catty got underneath him and stood him back up again. So... That was a hell of an effort, but he was phenomenal. I mean, you know, I remember standing in back lines off a line out where he was first receiver on the other side for counties or for the Blues in domestic games, and, you know, you'd have four or five guys standing there lined up. Now, my knees were normally knocking anyway. As you know, I wasn't a brave defender, but to look around and have two or three other blokes who looked just as, as apprehensive as I was and this big guy about to line up was just ridiculous. Yeah, and then obviously you got someone like Christian Cullen then at 15. Um, probably go down as the greatest 15 that's played the game, would you agree? Yeah, oh, mate, he was, again, unbelievable. I look back on that that sort of era and just pinch myself. And um, Cully, where did Cully go? And he went to Ireland. But, yeah, uh, of course, he had Jonah briefly in, in Cardiff, of yeah. course. And um, just to, yeah, just to, to watch those guys was incredible. You look at their footage now and you just go, what the hell? Cullen was was a freak. He wasn't perhaps the best positional 15, but it didn't matter because he was so quick. He could, 
he, he could get it to the ball. I mean, I was a guy who liked, you know, the tactical kicking aspect of the game and yeah. like trying to torment fullbacks or whatever if you got good front foot ball. If I got bad ball, of course, I just threw it to the nearest bloke. So yeah. you do something with it. But I tried to run Cullen round the place, and he, you know, even when you thought he was out of position, he'd still make it there. He was, uh, yeah, incredible. Who would you say would be yeah. one of the players that'd be sort of the most valuable to the team? Someone that you couldn't do that because, as you say, like the team that you played in was just littered with with quality, yourself included. <laughs> for, for me, mate, the indispensable was a good number seven who liked tackling. Mm. Um, like tackling his own man, like tackling my man, and <laughs> ideally getting further out and tackling the next bloke just so he didn't angle back in and try and run at me. Yeah. So to have guys like Josh Cronfeld or yeah. Michael Jones, um, Richie McCoy, I was lucky enough to play with, for me that was just absolutely indispensable. And a halfback who, uh, same sort of thing, could take the pressure off me by not throwing it to me when I was under any danger. And <laughs> You've played with Justin, I think, with Justin Marshall Shanks, I think, as yeah, well. Yeah, we, we don't want to give him too many big ups <laughs> on this. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm I mean, he was always to play with Marshy. Yeah. yeah. He, he was always happy to tuck the ball. He was more comfortable tucking the ball than throwing it out to anyone. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if I was under any sort of threat, and he just held on to it and had a fight with one of the Fords up front. So uh, he, 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 he basically that. wanted to be Josh Cromfeld. He just wasn't built enough. Um, uh, did you ever play with Alana Iremia? Yes, I did. Yeah, he was one of my, was one of my favourites when I was watching rugby as a youngster. Like, was he as good as I remember? Yeah, he was awesome. Lovely, lovely guy. Um, coaching now, coaching Auckland in the in the mm-hmm. provincial competition in New Zealand, and not surprisingly, they've gone really well. He's coaching a field or tier tier up there. They're fantastic. But Alana was great. But he got dragged into kind of that because he was so big and strong mm. and ran hard. And and you know, Asian boys are like that get a big head of steam up and whoosh, in they go. And he was he was really good at that, but he almost got underused. He, he got kind of fitted into that battering ram sort of mould when he actually had beautiful skills, lovely yeah. hands through, through a lovely, lovely pass. Um, but, yeah, one of my good mates in footy. You, um, Do you have, sorry, oh, on, sorry, Shanks, go on. Go on I was just thinking when 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 I hear that, I watch you know watch all the games that Manu Tuolangi plays, and obviously he's had his injury problems, but... You, you will have, you know, you'll know more about this than me, Mert. But I often think, yes, he's a battering ram and he's an incredible specimen. But I see occasionally some lovely touches come from Manu, a really good skill level and a good, a decent awareness of where players are around him. And I think actually, is there, there's a danger that he could retire without anybody ever really knowing that he was a really skillful player just because he was big and strong. It's a similar thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, they, they are good at doing that, guys who run hard and straight, but it's important to give them the opportunity because, yeah, as you say, they, they can be equally dangerous, and if not more dangerous, just by looking like they're threatening to, to run over the top of someone they, they plant um, instead of, you know, launching in for the tackle. Again, I'm, I'm talking about concepts I know nothing about, but, um, <laughs> but but then to be able to use their ability, their balance. I mean, Mano Tuolangi, for a big man, he's got beautiful balance. He's a good distributor. He's just got those natural sort of ball skills. And, yeah, to, to, to see them um, too used in one sort of role is, is a bit of a waste. Yeah, a bit like Manonu as well, you know, incredible. Like how he developed his game from being a bulldozing winger and sort of Tanu Manga as well, you know, first started off in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Tano was another one. He was a, he was he tormented me. You know, he'd be playing at centre for the Hurricanes off Wellington. They were always our bogey team with with Canterbury or the Crusaders. Yeah. And you know, just making in and away, and um, I'd get planted on both my heels. And mm. even if he did run at me, he ran straight over the top anyway. So I don't know why he ever bothered with trying to go in and away. But I made one tackle on him when I 
Um, I, I think he didn't realise it was me back at fullback, and he's gone to run round me, and I've managed to somehow trip over, take his ankles out, and uh, and he and brought him to ground. And it was such a special moment, and clearly a rare moment for me that the commentators stopped and talked about it for the next two minutes. <laughs> Wax lyrical about the tackle. The you you must have played against life. him twenty times, and you can remember tackling him. That's the thing. It's like when you talk. I remember Richard Hill, the, the flanker at the flank. Yeah, you know Hilly. Very well. I remember Hilly at the end of a season, we were talking about a season debrief, and Hilly remembered two tackles that he'd missed in a game, and I remembered both the tackles he'd missed as well, because I think they might have been the only two he missed in the whole season. It's like, but you're remembering one that you made. Similar thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, come hacker time, right, Mertz, when you're, you're on the field. Where are you positioning yourself, mate? Are you, are you one of these? Are you confident? You're at the front? You know the words? You know the actions? Or Quads you? out. Well, well, funnily enough, I mean, I've, n- I've never been good on camera full stop, but let alone when you're wanting an intimidating image, you know, that... The Wallabies, every, I mean, because I'm in Sydney, there aren't too many um, former All Blacks plying their trade in, uh, in Sydney at the moment. Not many asset finance specialists, of course. Yeah. But um, in all, I get an invite to all of those rugby lunches and um, they all bring up the story about who do you look at in the harker. And, you know, if you want to hear it humorously told, you, you, you hope that you're sitting alongside Tim Horror. And if you want it completely messed up, you get Sterling Mortlock or Phil Wall or you want it accurate, <laughs> someone like David Wilson. But, but it's, it is quite funny when they talk about, you know, that watching the Harker and see, seeing Jonah there looking fierce and they think, oh, God, better not look at him for the next 30 seconds. And they look along and Tana Umang are looking like the predator with the, you know, the, the, the dreads there. And they think, right, no. And they look all the way along and suddenly I've got 23 pairs of eyes boring into me <laughs> in the hacker and um, you know you listen to that moment and next thing they're blowing kisses at me and stuff like that is that why you kept your hair really long all over like a bowl you know just to take it away from your physical it's, appearance you know it's, well, it's, never, it's never been a focus I was kind of hoping they might sort of treat me with some sort of difference like you know I was always a favourite of the grandmothers the boy next door who you know yeah. was butter wouldn't melt in his mouth and so I was hoping I'd get some some currency out of that yeah. but never but funnily enough I mean I grew up in a Maori village called Tuahiwi in New Zealand so even though I'm not Maori I was you know, learning bilingually at, at age 11 so I was doing plenty of haka yeah. it's just my body didn't grow proportionately into a muscular sort of strong intimidating look that you could probably do with but um as far as the hacker actually goes you know most most kiwis have got it pretty ingrained and uh is there a specific sort of hacker you remember sort of that uh, a big game where you you just realize during the hack you've already won it or is that every game no not really like i say i'd, I'd have lots of guys looking at me so i was trying to sort of look fierce but not look too fierce as if i was kidding myself but um <laughs> No, it was, it was just, no, I don't think I could single out one no. hacker. I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed doing it from the perspective it was good to, you know, express a pride in our culture. I am mindful, of course, and, and you know, obviously from that incident in Cardiff, Shanks, you'll know plenty about this too. But I'm conscious that we remember in New Zealand that it's an indulgence to be able to do it. Yeah. You don't see this in too many international sports at all and you know for us to be able to do that it is an indulgence and I, I just worry sometimes if we sound a little bit too precious about dictating to other people how we how and when we should should yeah. be doing it you know fair enough the worst person I've seen doing a hacker is Ben Blair <laughs> <laughs> he hid behind Xavier Rush on the bus and I, I think I could have done a better job than him do you know yeah. when when you're a Kiwi, you must you get asked. You must, especially when you're in places like the UK. It must be like because you, when you when you basically say you tour with England or whatever, and I toured there a couple of times, didn't play a lot, watched some good rugby. Uh, but 
you, everywhere you go, people are doing hackers. Like you come out of Starbucks and people are doing hackers. And it, you do get to the point, and I'm just being honest, and you, I can say this to you, you are so bored of the hacker, it's like someone singing a national anthem at you four, you know, four or five times a day. But then when you go to all these dinners and there's All Blacks or former All Blacks at all these dinners, and in the end it's do a hacker and we'll pay this for charity and they've got to get up. I, you see loads of those, but I saw Sean Fitzpatrick do, do, Fitzpatrick do one a couple of years ago. And I thought, poor bloke, he doesn't want to be doing that. He did it, and oh my god, the whole room! Like I'd seen it a thousand times, the whole room was like shaking. It was unbelievable. But you must get must get asked to do it all the time. Yes, yes, sometimes, and, and you want you want to be careful. I mean, because you want to, when you do it, you want to do it properly. Now, me doing it properly on my own wouldn't, you know, come as as anyone thinking this is how a real hacker looks but yeah, uh, yeah you, you do it you want to express pride I mean the Maori use hacker for many different purposes um, significant milestones and, and moments like that not just laying down a challenge or um, you know celebrating certain things so it's it's quite um, quite an expressive obviously part of their culture and, and an important part and you know we've got to be careful obviously we don't overdo it but um, yeah it gets gets pulled out on all sorts of occasions. I remember getting to France when I went and played, admittedly, second division in France, and um, Byron Kelleher was already over there, and they'd been doing well with Toulouse, and he had his shirt off all the time, and on YouTube, doing a hack of this, and I was going, oh, God, he's looking like a complete pork chop. Well, straight into it with Toulon over there, and they were saying, come on, you've got to do a hacker as part of your first game, and so next thing I was doing it. <laughs> top, so, top, you top off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, took the top off. All the camera flashes started getting reflected back too much, so I had to put it back on again. Second division um, league, but first division wage, though. I get you. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll move off the hacker now. The uh, Rugby World Cup has just been and gone. Uh New Zealand's performance, semi-final, actually get really well beaten by England. Uh, what, what did you make of, of their tournament? You were out there. Um, yeah, I was going to say, forget the team's performance out there. How about our performance over we there? We were amazing <laughs> Plastic you, darts if, is the way forward. You and Greg, I don't know how you did it. If players think that they've got a gruelling schedule at a World Cup training and everything, wait till they get to the afterlife. That was oh tough. God. and. Yeah. I pride myself on avoiding most. I prided myself on avoiding it. You know, you're bouncing from commentary to corporate gig or whatever, which were all enjoyable. But it just, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't do that more than every every four years. So thank goodness. Yeah, but how, um, how, how does George Gregan still look like he's 35? Actually, 30 years old. He looks unbelievable. Tips his beard, mate. Tips his beard. That's <laughs> promise that's you. It. Promise you. Because he just looked. He was just unbelievable. Like his endurance was unbelievable. John Smith was with him most of the time. But Marshall, Smith, Marshall, but Smith, he looks like he's been been on it the whole time. Greeks doesn't they, look like it. Oh, they were, I, I was getting the shudders every morning because I'd hear the stories from night. There'd be the messages, you know, <laughs> yeah. the group messages going around, going who's in Rapongi tonight, blah blah blah. <laughs> Next thing you wake up and sort of nine thirty. I didn't make it, you know. I'd, eventually, the messages when you turn your phone off, they don't come through. Thankfully, nine thirty in the morning. Next thing there's. Smith and Marshall got a beer in front of them and shimmy and all those yeah. blokes. I don't know how they did it. You had a local pub at so, Adelaide, didn't they? The clubhouse. Yeah. yeah. No, but the, I mean, the footy was fantastic. It was awesome in Japan, as you guys know and experience. Japan getting through was a really good result. Not great for, for Scotland, obviously, but uh, it was a good pool. Yeah. Um, 
I thought the semi-final result, while from a New Zealand point of view, disappointing. I thought it was great for the sport globally. It got a lot of um, a lot of attention. The performance of England was amazing. It just shows you you turn up and put it on the paddock on the day. Um, everybody can can pretty much beat everyone, and they weren't able to turn it around the next week. But no, I thought it was um, I thought it was a fantastic spectacle. Interesting from a rugby point of view. I think, you know how sometimes they say that your strengths can be your weaknesses. I thought there were a couple of things there. The All Blacks, when they tackle again, not something I know about, but I'm regurgitating it. When the All Blacks tackle, they're trying to win the ball back. They want to play with the ball. So quite often they will look to concede a little bit of ground, allow the player to get forward, get isolated, and then they steal the ball. Yeah. Now, when you try to do that against England and they've got those big runners going at you, Billy, Billy Vunipola and Tuilangi and whatnot and Itoje, Courtney Laws, they're climbing into it. That backfired on the All Blacks because they were backpedalling the whole time. And England got their support there. Their, their accuracy, their pass running onto the ball was quite extraordinary. And I just thought it was a, a hell of a performance. Same thing on attack. The All Blacks are running in. They're big forwards. They're more looking to offload the ball into gaps and stuff. They're not normally just charging headlong at 100%. And as a result, they were getting, you know, physically knocked backwards all the time where Vinnie Polar wasn't. Different story. You get to the final. Yeah. And South, Af- South Africans go, we don't give a damn. We're better playing without the ball sometimes. We're just going to smack you harder than you're running at us. And whack, that's what they did. Yeah, you're neutral in the final now, South Africa, England. Does it matter who wins for you? or? Wow, well, that's when you bring up the fact you're born in, in Durban, Shanks. Um, exactly. Yeah, you, you, were, you were refined of... in West London. You were refined in West London, mate. <laughs> yeah, I had a foot in all camps, you know. Um, yeah. But, um, no, look, I, I just want to see a good spectacle for, for, the, for the sport, for yeah. the tournament, for Japan. Um, you know, vastly different game. I was disappointed. I would have liked to have seen it a bit tighter for a bit longer and, and would have liked to have and been very interested to see if England had recaptured that form of week previous, but wasn't to be. And, and South Africa shut them out of the game. Well done. Um, just let's talk briefly about your time at Harlequins. Um, I know, I, I feel like um, West London will have suited you quite nicely as a place to play rugby. Have you got fond memories of the stoop? Loved it. Absolutely loved my time in England full stop. I mean, I'd come on tour with the All Blacks a couple of times and said things, I was quoted in the press as saying things like the English are pricks to lose to. <laughs> now, it was my first time turning up in England. I hadn't actually lost against England at that point yeah. <laughs> three or four years into my career. So I sort of um, didn't cover myself in glory with those sort of comments, typical yeah. colonial bloody upstart. You were right, Chippy. So, Chippy. But it got across that. Absolutely loved it. Um, the year I got to Harlequins, we'd just been relegated and, and went to National One. Um, I think it was a really good year for Harlequins in that they, they rebuilt and got a chance to go to grounds like, you know, places like Solihull and Truro um, and actually just get down and dirty with, with grassroots footy. And I think the perception of Harlequins was obviously, you know, cigar and brandy and, you know, la-di-da sort of stuff. And... Um, they, they got out there and had a really, really good year. Bus trips up to um, up to Sedgley Park up in Manchester and, yeah. and whatnot. It was just, mate, I had the most fantastic time and just got into dragged into a WhatsApp group with uh, with some of the boys from those days. Will Skinner, the flanker, yeah. is out in, uh, in Singapore, is running a few training programs for some of the retirees like Ugo Monia and the boys. And yeah. I've been dragged into that. So it's, it's nice to reconnect with those guys. Nice. Good boy, Skins. Lovely bloke. All right, Mert. It was well, awesome. I loved it. 
We'll, but uh, second year, we, we got through National 1 and got the chance to come out and play a couple of games out in Bath. I didn't play the first team. I played on a Monday night in the second team a couple of times up against Matt Perry, which was nice. But, mate, UK Matt, was fantastic not, to me. Believe it or not, I mean, you, you, you say Matt Perry. Also, a guy called David Flatman was playing that night. A great guy. Um, I was I was coming back from injury. Um played that night I think we dominated you on a muddy night the second team at the rec um I was straight back into the first team but I don't know if you made it back so quickly I'm not sure but um I was quite happy not to Monday night suited me because um, Tuesday and Wednesday are normally the hard training days aren't yeah. they for the team playing on a Saturday so if you can get to sit those ones out that was perfect but flats I didn't really look at the forwards in those days I just looked at uh, back at Matt Perry at fullback and thought you know, I work him around and you know, he honestly, was still as good as he ever was Pez and I laugh about that game because we are our coach. I forget who the coach was now, but anyway, it was like well, we had a guy called Rob Fiddler in the second row, who you might know. Right, anyway, played for Gloucester for a long time. But hell of a bloke, a brilliant player, just a brilliant player. And but he was behind Steve Borthwick and Danny Grucock, so he used to play second team at second row sometimes. And we had this game, and it was like right. I think Will Greenwood's playing, Andrew Merton's playing, whatever it was, and it was like, what are we going to do about this? I remember Rob Fiddler. One of the boys said, "Mate, they're rock stars. They won't be interested. They won't have any interest." And then Rob Fiddler said. What do you reckon they're saying about Matt Perry then? <laughs> he looked, looked over at Pez and he went, look at him, no interest. Pez didn't even hear him say it in the meeting. Look at him, no interest. <laughs> yeah, thing. super. I, I, doubt, I actually, I don't think Will Greenwood would have come to that sort of a game, would he? Maybe, maybe he was on the touchline. To, mate, you know, from New Zealand. Well, what's he posting about these days? I don't know if you guys, you guys follow him, mate. He's... I know he's ripped up and everything like that. It's embarrassing for me, but God, there's, um, there's a bit of overshearing going on in lockdown. Isn't there? <laughs> too much information. <laughs> he's letting us know what sort of Tom Curry has for breakfast. Um, quite a few <laughs> sessions. Um, what else are you doing, Flats? You send me, all, you send me a lot Mertz. of videos. thing is, Mertz, we're all in great nick, mate. We don't have to go on about it. You know, it's like we're all, we're all doing home workouts, two sessions a day, Sundays off. Everyone's doing it. Um, but, you know, you don't have to go on about it. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's easy from where the three of us are sitting to say, wow, he's posting a lot of workouts, isn't he? He's a bit of a bit keen. If I was in that, Nick, I can't guarantee I wouldn't be doing the same. <laughs> I don't want to find out. I think he looks you great. Me. You could he's just do great, a bit Nick. of muscle, that's all. You could just he's do a little bit Nick, of muscle. Um, anyway, Mertz, we'll let you get back to work. I'm sure you're, you're working tonight, as always, 24-7. That's not your life. Markets don't stop, do they, Mertz, until they stop. Hey, cheers, big man. Nice one. Guys, great to talk to you. Look after Have yourself, all right? Mates. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. See ya. Bye. How nice was that? Yeah, he could go on forever, actually. Damn he? memory lane. He's probably yeah, actually he's probably actually quite happy for the contact, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, am. He's, I am. Anyway. What, what he what he doesn't know. Well, he does know because we told him in Japan, but he talks about avoiding the WhatsApps. He was one of the people you get a message from him and you open it and you're like, oh no, oh yeah. no, is this going to be a thirty hour bin? No, it's okay, it's okay. Just fancies a coffee. Good I met news. him a couple of times in Oita. Because uh, he was based there for a lot of it, he was doing world feed, I think, commentary, and yeah, um, yeah you just try and you turn your phone off early, you know, you and you can't then check your WhatsApp because they know you've checked it because you can swipe to the right, can't you? So, I mean, he's saying that he didn't check his phone. That's a lie. He was one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably he's probably worried his family are listening to this or or something. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was one of the worst, but he wasn't as bad as Greg and no. Smith, Marshall and Shibby. He wasn't as bad as those guys. Not like, at all. Um, not bad as good. But they just their endurance. It's just all of those guys looked like they were on it the whole time, except Greg just looks fresh, fresh-faced. He looks perfect every day. It's just Lemon water. Killer. That's what he drinks, mate. And oil of ulo on the skin twice a day. We'll have to get John Smith on one of these days because um, 
he's a Land Rover addict. Is he? Yeah, you might you might not want to be involved in that one, but he's a Land Rover addict. I'll listen. I'll heckle in the background. Yeah, he loves it. He's got loads of old Defenders and the series ones and twos and threes that he does up and does all sorts of great stuff. I love yeah. it. Um, what a legend, though, Mertzay. Players, oh, that team he played in yeah. for 10 years with New Zealand. Incredible. Absolutely I mean, incredible. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one, he's one of those guys. He didn't win a World Cup, but it was incredible. Yeah, but I mean, if I mean, nor did I. But then if I said to my dad, for example, oh, I've got Henry Slade on, oh, great. Or we've got so-and-so on, oh, great. If I said we've got Andrew Mertens on, my dad would be like, wow, how do I listen to podcasts? He can't listen to podcasts. Doesn't know how. But it's like, he would be like, whoa, because, you know, he was one of those players that yeah. he had he had a bit of genius in him. He really did. He had a huge amount know. of pace as well, mate. Mm. When he broke a line. Did he? Ah, oh, massively. He's just actually sent me a, a quick text now saying, sorry to waffle as usual. Um, great to see you guys and thank you. And can I come on every week? <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. No, you can't. It's our podcast. It's not your show, mate. I always feel a little bit bad when I speak to him because we played in this golf tournament a couple of years ago in um, in, in London, in Buckinghamshire. And I was up against Mertz. It was like Ryder Cup format. And I, I hammered him. I absolutely hammered him. I took him apart um, to the point where it was a little bit embarrassing. And I, I can't really look at him in the eye properly anymore because I just feel bad. Just but wrecked I would, his confidence. I thought he'd be gifted at that. Yeah, he, yeah, he is gifted. But, you know, when you're up against someone like me, you know. Yeah. You, know, you need more than talent. Giftness will only take you so far. Yeah, you need more than talent, don't you? Yeah. yeah not, not as bad as um, Christian Cullen taking apart Sir Clive Woodward. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, won every single hole. Oh, my God. <laughs> no Hold retreat, on. no surrender. He didn't back off. Let me start that again because you cut out again. Um, I, I reckon it's your lead, mate, going in. It might just need a, a new lead. Um, not yeah. quite as bad as Christian Cullen taking apart Sir Clive Woodward. Uh Richard Cullen won every single hole. So they had to come in in super early. Um, Oh, no. Yeah. And, I mean, all uh, all the Northern Hemisphere boys had a little smile. Like, oh, Sir Clive. Yeah, they did. What have you done? Manchester City, Sir Clive. Um, But, yeah, great fun, eh? That's all you got now. Memories at the moment. Yeah, true, isn't it? Getting you through this period soon. Make some soon. Um, keep going, fella, okay? Keep grilling, yeah? Yeah, you too. Keep eating those veg and keep baking, all right? Keep chilling, keep grilling. Cheers, fella. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.